listening to Inner Warm Up. I'm your host, Taylor Lise Morrison, founder and author of Inner Workout, ICF certified coach, and fellow journeyer. In 2017, I set out to build a life that didn't burn me out, and I found my life's work in the process. On Inner Warm Up, we talk about how self care and inner work show up in your relationships, your career, your schedule, and in the conversations you have with yourself. We get practical, we get nuanced, and we're not afraid to challenge wellness as usual. So take a deep breath and get curious. This is where your inner work begins. Today's guest is Allie LaBelle. She is a creative director, strategist, and pasta aficionado, woman after my own heart, based in LA. She's identified as an athlete and definitely not an athlete from an early age. And now in her adulthood, she runs a branding and creative studio called Ali LaBelle Creative. She also has an amazing substack called A La Carte. And she runs the Instagram account of my dreams, Pasta Girlfriend. And I've got a confession for you before we get started. Having Ali on the show was a wee bit selfish. I love the way her mind works. And I wanted to peek into how she approaches entertaining, especially because I've been on a hosting journey of my own. This conversation did not disappoint. So keep listening for thoughts on how to host gatherings of all sizes, why consideration is key, and what gatherings give us, even when we're not hosting ourselves. Want to know how growth starts? With asking yourself the right questions. Our free Take Care assessment asks you 75 questions that get to the root of what you need most right now. After completing the assessment, you'll get a PDF profile with practices based on your results. Head to the link in our show notes to take care today. Hi, Allie. I'm so excited. I, as soon as we got on the call, well, first, honestly, I was like, logistics, let's make sure this is working. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot how excited I was to talk to you. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Hi, Taylor. It's so good to talk to you too. And also, I feel like we have the same brain because I also was like, logistics, let's get right into it. But I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So what's really fun about this season is that I'm talking to people that I think are brilliant and creative and all these different things, but I'm not necessarily talking to them about what they do that pays their bills. But also, this is a podcast and some people listening already know you. A lot of people may not necessarily know you. So tell us a little bit about like the work side of you and then we'll get into the play side. Totally. I love not talking about work, but let's get into it. I'm a creative director and strategist. I own a branding studio. So I work with design-driven brands on their brand identities. I say the word brand a lot in my day-to-day. I also consult with business owners on their creative strategy and just making sure everything that they're doing feels aligned with their mission and also looks beautiful. On the side, I also have a thing called Pasta Girlfriend. It's an Instagram account that I started in 2017. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's a side job. It's more of a side project, but It's ever-evolving. It's a pasta appreciation account where I share content around food and art and the intersection of the two. But 
that takes up a little bit of my time as well as more of a passion project in the scope of things. I love that. And I will say I've never wanted to move to LA more than when I saw that you're having your pasta dinner. And I was like, what am I doing here in Chicago? I could be eating pasta with all of these people who look so, so cool. It is fun. Every every few months, I'll throw a dinner party and have people sign up and anybody can come. And it's such a good way to meet people. Most people that come to the Pasta Girlfriend dinners don't come with friends. They come alone. And it's such a fun way to just commune over something that everybody loves, which is pasta. And also, I just obviously love throwing a dinner party. And so it's a good way for me to be able to practice that. Yeah. And you... On that note, when we were thinking about this idea for like play date and talking to people about things outside of work, you were one of the first people that came to mind because I know how much you love entertaining. And I've been on my own journey with entertaining this year and seeing the way that you like think about it and talk about it has just been such an inspiration to me. So I want to rewind back to the beginning Where did your love for entertaining start? I think for me, entertaining was something that I was really intimidated by for a long time. And I felt like I had to have my whole life together in order to have people over. And so it's actually something I discovered in the last couple of years as one of my huge passions. But I think it all comes back to my mom. My mom is the most detailed person on the planet and is also an incredibly thoughtful person. So Growing up, I have all these memories of her creating these really special experiences for my sister and I. I just have these really core memories of my mom, you know, doing a lot with not a lot and creating these experiences for myself and my friends that just were really magical. And so I think that love of creating experiences really drove my career. It drove what I love to do. And that's manifested in the form of things like dinner parties and having people over and making things special for people when we're all just hanging out together. Yeah. Ooh, there's so many pieces. I want to dig into that. I love how your mom was able to create this core memory for you. And it sounds like multiple core memories. And like at the end of the day, it was something pretty simple. And yet like, I bet you all felt like you were truly princesses entering this castle. Like, how cool is that? People couldn't see my reaction, but I was just like holding my cheeks. It's so precious hearing that. It was really special. I mean, my mom worked full time and I still managed to come home and make things like trick-or-treating and our birthdays and Santa coming for Christmas feels just really, really special and magical. I even remember my parents having friends over and her thinking about what the experience of their friends coming over would feel like. And so she's just the type of person that remembers every person's birthday, remembers to send a card for everything. And so I've learned a lot from my mom in terms of thinking about what people feel when they feel thought of and something that's really important to me and really really glad that that was one of the traits I got from her growing up. Yeah. And it's so funny that you say that that's something that you got from your mom, because I feel like you could say all of those things and also be describing yourself from what I get to see from you from afar. But also like you sent me the cutest little holiday card. I was just cleaning out stuff last year and I was like, oh, Ellie sent me this. It's adorable. So you do a lot of those things. And that's kind of a lost art too. Like my mom used to make me 
even the way that I say that, my mom, but I did. I was forced to write thank you cards. And it's something that I'm, I've been trying actually this year to get better at actually making sure I give friends a card if I'm giving them a gift and like sending thank you cards for different things because there's something so nice about the paper of it. Totally. I think we've evolved as a society to feel obligated to send something when someone sends But I do think that the best part of giving someone a gift is knowing that they felt thought of. And so whether that's writing them a note or giving someone a call on their birthday, I think just it is a little bit of a lost art when we're so busy to take the time to be like, let me do something more than send a text message, you know, to somebody. So yeah, I and I appreciate you saying that sounds like me describing myself. It's something I really prioritize and work hard at doing. So which is important. I love that you said like, it's something you prioritize. I would guess that it's for you both nature and nurture. But it's definitely something I'm hearing you say that you nurture in yourself. I actually did not plan to go this route with you. But you talked about like, giving gifts and finding things and something that I've seen you get excited about is like, finding the perfect dress for this or finding like the perfect I mean, you do really good gift guides, but even for something for your home. And so I'm wondering if you could say a little bit about like what that journey for is for you to find something that's meaningful for you or for someone that you're gifting things to. Because I think that's something that everyone, some people have more of a natural proclivity towards it, but I think that there's also like a skill that can be developed there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when we're talking love languages, gift giving and gift receiving is definitely mine. And I think sometimes people feel selfish for feeling that way. But really, it's about feeling known and feeling like someone saw something I thought of you. And so when I'm buying gifts for people, you know, it's less about the thing and more about recognizing that there's a thing in them that I appreciate. So if someone's really into personal style and shopping and loves clothes, like I might get them a book that's about personal style or about fashion. Like it's just about acknowledging something in them that you appreciate. And so I feel like gift giving in that way is really fun because it's almost like, what can I find that's a great representation of this person that they might not have? You know, I try to think about how to incorporate things in my life that bring me joy when otherwise there might not be joy. So, you know, in every, when I'm building my kitchen and I'm thinking about what are all of the things that I'm going to need in my drawers of, you know, tools to cook, like I'll buy the nice looking whisk over the boring looking whisk, even if it costs a little more because it's meaningful to me to feel like I invested in myself and I bought myself something nice. But that takes time. It takes time to accumulate things in your home that feel like, I mean, it's expensive <laughs> to, to buy things that are nice for yourself all the time, but I'm definitely not one of those people that like moves into a new place and is like, okay, I have to go to West Elm and buy a bunch of stuff. I'm a collector. And so the hunt for things and the search for things brings me a lot of joy. And, you know, I'm okay to wait on something if it means that I have to save up for it or I have to find the perfect thing because I'd rather have a thing that I'm attached to or that I'm proud of than stuff. Like I'm not really a stuff person. Going back to this idea of like play and fun and joy, it sounds like that process 
is part of where you find the fun. Like, tell me where I'm wrong, but it sounds like it would be less fun for you to just go on a West Elm shopping spree than it would be to take six months longer to decorate your place or more, but to have these things where you're like, I found this at this vintage shop and I found this on Facebook Marketplace and I saved up for this splurge. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm always on the search for something and I love a deep dive. I love spending a Friday night with a glass of wine and my Etsy page open and taking through various search terms. I think it's just really, really fun for me. And I don't think that's true for everybody. Some people are like, oh, it stresses me out to have this list of things that I want to find. And that's totally fine. Like not everything has to be this like special treasure that you found by hunting for something. But it just brings me a lot of personal satisfaction to wait for the thing that feels special. And that kind of means that my home and my wardrobe and the things that I buy, it's always like an ever evolving project. And there's never really like a done, you know, I'm never going to be like my house is done. It's always going to be ever evolving. I'm always going to be thinking, oh, well, maybe if I recover this chair, what would that look like? And I'll save up for that. And then I'll recover the chair. And I'll be like, hmm, now I think I want to do that. You know, it's just as a it's kind of an art project in itself. And I just really love looking at it that way. I think you pulled out something great. And that's part of why I'm talking to so many different people this season is that like, someone could be listening to this and be like, Allie is my long lost twin. How does she think the exact same way that I do? And another person is like, this is my worst nightmare. I don't want a million tabs open. So we're showing like different ways that you can play and be creative and have fun and like take what serves you and leave the rest. Something I wanted to push into is you use this word, like you said, I'm a collector. I like to collect things that are meaningful to me. A word that I might use that's similar but slightly different is like curator. It sounds like you really curate your home, you curate your wardrobe, and you curate experiences too. Yeah, I actually think when I zoom out from my life, that's what my job is. It's kind of, it kind of is a a word that permeates into everything I do. Finding things, whether it's references for a mood board or items for my home or thinking through, you know, what design elements or what little touches can I bring to a dinner party to make something special for somebody. It's all about being able or I guess being willing to put the time in and excited to put the time in to consider all of those details and continuously check them and say, is there a way that this could feel more thoughtful? Or can I bring some art in that means something to me here? You know, it's, it is a, I guess, a curator's mindset in terms of always keeping my eyes open and trying to think through kind of what the greater experience of any given thing is. And in terms of curating experiences for people, you know, it's a little different than maybe shopping for your home and that you're thinking about a short period of time where people are going to come and be there and show up and then they're going to leave. And what does that three hours look like for somebody? And that is really fun as well to, to think through. Yeah. Can you tell us more about, like, I'm loving getting this peek into your mind. So if you're thinking about something like even as simple as having a couple of friends over on a Saturday afternoon, how do you think about like 
what that experience would be like from food to whatever other details you're considering as you're entertaining? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that entertaining can be anything from someone coming over for a glass of wine at five o'clock to hosting 30 people in a private room at a restaurant and thinking through what that looks like. You know, there's so many different ways to entertain and not everybody is going to feel called to do one or the other. But in moments like a friend is dropping by for a glass of wine or I'm having someone over even for a work meeting, if we're going to talk about something work related, I want to think about what the experience of them spending their time in my space is like. So I might pull out the nice wine glasses, the vintage wine glasses that I bought years ago and serve wine in those instead of the like normal little bodega cups that I drink out of day to day or use linen napkins instead of paper towels or, you know, to decant something into a, into a pitcher. You know, it's just about showing that you considered what their experience is going to be like or that they were thought of being there. You know, I think if someone's just dropping in, it's a different experience to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to like eat Cheetos out of a bag versus like putting them on a bowl and putting them on the coffee table. It's just a different experience. And so I like to think about what that feels like. When I'm having a bigger group over, I'm even thinking about, okay, when they ring the doorbell, like maybe I'll just put a sign on the door that says like, let yourself in. That's like in cute little handwriting so that they don't have to wait at the door. And then when they walk in, I have a candle burning and that feels nice. You know, it's about really thinking through step by step what the experience of being somewhere is like. And is there a way that I could really easily make that feel like that person was considered in that process? I think that's that applies to something as simple as someone coming by for coffee versus having a party at your house with a ton of people. Yeah, I love this idea of consideration. And it sounds like there's this level of forethought and almost like it's like presence, but it's kind of pre-presence where you're like walking through and thinking, okay, what would it be like to be present in this experience of waiting at the door? Oh, I might not love that. So I'm going to put the sign here or like, what would it be like to be present eating Cheetos out of a bag? It would be fine, but it would be so much nicer if it were in a cute little bowl. I'm wondering, how are you able, or maybe are you able, to be present when you're hosting other people? And you've got all of these, like, <laughs> I'm almost picturing the meme where the guy has, like, all of the different threads all over the map. I could see it being really easy to have like your mind be like that when you're hosting. But maybe that's not the case for you. By thinking through all of those little details ahead of time, by the time people come here, I'm like, whatever happens, happens. I'm not really running around thinking about, oh, is this song okay? Like, let me make sure I change the playlist. Like, I don't even hear the music at that point. It's like, you're just with your friends enjoying whatever it is. If I'm throwing a dinner party and I'm cooking for people, there is an amount of like, hey, you guys hang out over here while I maybe finish cooking. But I'll make that really clear by having a little, a few little snacks in the living room and having the wine ready to go and people can kind of commune together while I'm busy finishing something up. But I feel like if you've done a good job of thinking through exactly what the whole thing is going to feel like, you can kind of let it go once it starts because who knows, like 
someone might bring something that like a food that's like not what I planned. I didn't ask them to bring food and everyone's really excited about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to serve the bread that I thought I was going to serve. It's fine because you just roll with it once things, once things start going. That's such a beautiful lesson to bring into life of like, yeah, prepare to a certain extent, but then also you got to flow. And it sounds like what makes entertaining fun for you versus what makes it stressful for other people is that you're able to roll with the punches rather than just being like, it's 5.02, everyone should have arrived by now. That, even in my body as I'm joking around about that, it's like stressing me out. Something, I mentioned this kind of like in passing at the beginning, but in my mind, so I set this goal this year to entertain more. And originally it was like, I'm going to host a dinner party. I think originally I wanted to do it every month. And then I was like every quarter. And what I realized is that like, I love just having like one or two friends over. And that's like, I'm also pretty introverted. And that's like the perfect size for me. And I love that I can focus in on like what I think this person would enjoy and like curating an experience for them. And I think if I hadn't shifted my idea of, yeah, just having those one or two friends over is also entertaining, I would just not have people over because I had this like rigid definition of what it was. I'm curious if you've heard of other things like that, that get in the way of people hosting or entertaining, like myths or mindsets that hold people back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a million reasons not to have people over. You know, I feel like in the past, apartment's too small. People aren't going to want to spend a Friday night here. Or I haven't hung art up on the walls yet. My apartment's not done. It's not ready to have people. Or I only have four napkins and six people. I don't have enough place settings. None of it matters. Like, no one cares. People are excited to spend time with you. They're excited to go somewhere that's not their own house on a Friday night. All, you know, mix and match plates from all over the place. I know podcast listeners cannot see this, but behind me is my shelf of plates. And it's like, I have twos and fours of things and I just mix and match. People don't care. It's just about giving them a a moment of something different than going to a restaurant or going to their own house or not having plans. And so all of those hangups, no one's going to notice or care. It's only if you're a perfectionist like I am, you think, oh, I have to have everything all ready to go. But I've never been at someone else's house and been like, you know what? They shouldn't have had a dinner party. Their art is not hung on their wall. (laughs) Like it doesn't, it just simply doesn't matter. And so I would encourage anybody who you know, maybe wants to entertain, but feels like there's some sort of barrier keeping them from wanting to do that to, yeah, have one or two people over and just practice and see what feels good. But also remember, no one's being as critical as you are in whatever you're doing. And I feel like that's just a reminder we need all of the time. Like, I I was just talking about this with a client before this, like, no one cares as much as you do. And it's not like, from a bad place. It's just, we're all too in our own head. We're all too freaked out about whatever else is going on for us. And so, yeah, it can be really freeing when you realize, yeah, people just want to spend time together and gather and have this moment to be present. And like, what a gift it is to create that space. If that's something that you enjoy doing for fun, 
But also I think of when I'm hosted by friends, there's one friend in particular who like she feels bad at times because she always invites people over for dinner because she has this gorgeous house with this gorgeous back porch and loves cooking. And they work so hard to redo their kitchen. And it's big enough that you can like be in the kitchen with a glass of something as she's finishing cooking. And it's like you can tell it brings her so much joy. And I also feel so cared for. She's always like, wait dietary restrictions. Taylor doesn't eat that much dairy. Okay. I'm going to think about that with what I'm cooking. And it's just like, I do hug my friend, but like, even if we weren't even physically touching, the whole experience feels like a warm hug. And I just leave and I'm just so full afterwards. I love that. Yeah. I mean, being in someone's home is such an intimate thing. If you know that it means something to somebody that you come and spend time in their home, it does feel like a hug. And it's a really wonderful way to show that you care for someone too. Because I know I love to cook, I love to have people over. The fact that my friends are willing to spend their time coming over and letting me do that for them, it shows that they love me too. It's not just me showing that I love them. And so I think that's really lovely. And I think whether you're someone that does love to cook and loves to, has a big kitchen and everyone can commune or not, there's ways to do that in really big and small ways. Yeah. And I just keep thinking about how like, this is something I'm realizing that I do really enjoy. And also there's room for everyone to enjoy that process. Even if you don't like cooking and you just like get takeout and have stuff together, or you don't like having people in your home, but you love being a guest that like comes with these bubbly stories that like keep everyone laughing like there's room in these communal gatherings for everyone to bring something even if you find that your favorite role isn't being the host totally a few months ago a group of friends and I we all love Taco Bell and we were like let's have Taco Bell night and one of the girls went and picked up Taco Bell for everybody one of the girls made a Baja Blast inspired cocktail And that was it. Everyone came to my house. I didn't have dishware. I didn't have glassware. Like we just all ate Taco Bell at my dining table. And it was so, so fun. And I think it can be as simple as that. You know, not everything has to be a huge production. But just the idea that we like thought about it, assigned roles to everybody, came together and did it. It was really fun and really bonded us all together. We were sitting around the table eating our tacos for maybe like four or five hours. It was just really fun. So I think those are totally valid, entertaining moments as well. We all have 24 hours in the day, but depending on your schedule, your responsibilities, and your finances, it doesn't always feel like that. We built the Inner Workout app to help you practice self-care with the time you have. It's filled with journaling practices, meditations, and mini courses called Journeys that you can complete in 10 minutes or less. But that's not all. Find more time for self-care with lock sessions, which go beyond notification blocking and allow you to lock yourself out of apps that steal your time and attention. Visit innerworkout.co app or click the link in the show notes to add the Inner Workout app to your support system. Okay, Allie. So if you could give people like a starter kit for hosting and entertaining, and we're using starter kit in like a really broad sense. So this kit could have mindsets that you want to instill in people. It could have products. It could be knowledge, like things you wish you would have known when you started hosting and whatever else. 
what would be in the Allie LaBelle entertaining startup kit? Well, I think the most important thing is the mindset that you don't have to do everything yourself or like you're Martha Stewart. I think it's the most important thing. Sometimes when I have people over, I'll communicate to everybody exactly what to expect and so that they know what they should bring or what they're getting out of it. Are they going to eat a full meal? Are we going to have snacks and wine? Do I need someone to bring dessert? Am I asking someone to pick up ice? Like you communicate all of that at the beginning. That really helps take the pressure off of having to remember a million things. People want to help and want to bring things. So if you're someone that is overwhelmed by the idea of doing it all yourself, you absolutely don't have to. Also, things like letting people help do the dishes. You know, I personally don't like when people do my dishes because I'm a control freak and I like doing things the way I do it. But I know my sister hates doing her dishes. And when we all are over there, we'll all pitch in and do her dishes for her. And I know that it really makes her feel cared for that we're taking care of that because she hosted us. And so it's okay to say yes and no to help. It's okay to assign things to people. You really don't have to take it all on for yourself. I love having people over. I love having people in a million different ways. But there are some times when I simply do not want to put on a whole production and I will allow my friends to kind of take the reins. There are other times when I'm thinking about every single thing and I'm like, please don't bring anything. I've got it all under control. So if you communicate that to your guests and they know what to expect and you accept their help when you need it, it'll all go smoothly. The pressure will be off. I think that's really important. That would probably be the most important thing. I think that's so valuable. And again, what I'm having fun in doing these interviews for this season is like, what a great life lesson just in general. (laughs) Like, communicate what you need, communicate expectations, and then watch people like come to support you in that and see how like the experiences that you want feel richer and more aligned because everyone's on the same page. So yes, that's great advice for entertaining, but I'm also like, everyone also just take that to heart for every other part of your life too. Totally. And I think, you know, we don't have to be good at everything. There's a lot of things. I hate baking and I do not like making desserts. Like it's just not my thing. I'll always assign desserts out if that's something that I'm I'm planning on having dessert with people over. And so I'll ask someone to go pick up ice cream on their way or to I'll call in an order to a bakery and have someone pick it up on their way over. You know, I think leaning on the people that are around you for the things that aren't your thing is totally fine. I also don't want to spend a ton of money when I do these things. It's expensive to have a lot of people over and to think, okay, I want to do flowers and I want to have candles and I want the table to look beautiful and I'm buying food and alcohol and all of that. So figure out where you can cut corners. Like I go to Trader Joe's and buy like three bunches of hydrangeas and just put those in water glasses down the middle of the table and they fill a space and they're pretty and they're cheap. And it's just not something that I want to spend my time really fretting about. I'd rather buy a nice bottle of wine than go ham on flowers. (laughs) And So I think, yeah, it's an important lesson to accept help. And it's also an important lesson to remember that you really, you're not on TV. Like you don't have to do this in a way that feels like you're being judged. It's, it's you're supposed to have fun. It's supposed to be fun. If it's not, then it's not worth doing, in my opinion. Yeah. I just heard you say like the power of prioritization and like knowing 
what is going to create the most impactful and easeful experience for you, what's going to do the same for your guests. And like, you don't have to do more than 100% at everything. Like my mantra for this year is let it be easy, nothing to prove. And like, I just keep finding ways that things could be easier in ways that I make things harder for myself unnecessarily. Totally. And if there's something you love to do, like do that. I really love the table decor aspect of having a dinner party. I, for my birthday every year, or I've done this the last few years, I'll have a dinner party for my friends at a restaurant. And the reason why I do it is because it's more fun for me to actually plan and like think about the table and make the place cards and design the menu than it is for me to just go to dinner somewhere to celebrate my birthday. And so everyone humors me. Everybody knows that that's what I love doing. And they all come and they appreciate the table. (laughs) And it makes me feel so good that they do that. I do it at a restaurant because I don't want to cook for 20 people. And it feels overwhelming to try and figure out like how many chairs to have in my house. Fit that many people in. Is it going to be too noisy for my neighbors? Like I just eliminate all that and focus on the part that I really love doing. And I can really go intense with the table decor, but I allow myself to because that's what I love. Mm, Man, I feel like there's so many things that I could keep asking you about entertaining and like seeing these parallels for how it shows up in, I would guess, in your career, but also like how it can show up in all of our lives. But I am practicing restraint here. I know that there are other places on the internet where you share all of these kinds of thoughts and more. So Allie, if people are listening and want more of you, which I'm sure is everyone listening, how can they stay in touch with you? Well, you can follow me on Instagram at Allie LaBelle. That's where I mostly just share things like inspiration and what I'm working on, artists I love, things like that there. But if you're looking for something a little bit deeper in terms of intentional creativity and thinking about things like this, I have a newsletter called A La Carte. And every week I share tips for creativity. I share things I love. I do product roundups. I interview people. I interviewed Taylor at one point. So I really have been investing a lot of time in my newsletter to explore things like this. And so if this is interesting to you, give that a follow at allylabelle.substack.com. Cool. We will make sure that that is linked in the show notes. And like, Allie did not ask me to say this, but I have a lot of Substacks that I'm subscribed to, but this is one that I like open every time. And if I miss opening it, I will like search my inbox to go back and read it. It's just like an all around delight. Delight is one of my favorite words lately, but it is an all around delight. So thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing so much of just this thing that brings you joy and also giving us insight into how you make these magical moments happen so that we can sprinkle a little of that into our own days. Of course. Thank you for having me. Inner Warm-Up is a collaborative effort. It's hosted by me, Taylor Lise Morrison, produced by Jenny Kearns, and edited by Carolina Duque. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. And if you're looking to continue your inner work, our free take care assessment is a great place to start. On that note, take care. <laughs>